It's like magic. It's like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's like looking back into the future. So we're on. Well, apparently. It's like looking back in time. That's when I look down there. <laughs> I like these guys. I've seen them before. Yeah. You got a bit of space on your left. Um, Welcome to the Colony Brands and Tech Difficulties. Well, in order to make a few broken eggs, you have to have an omelette. Thanks, Nathan Buckley. <laughs> I wonder if this guy will laugh. Eventually. Let's move. Welcome to the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly, and... I'm... Nothing could possibly go wrong in the next hour spook. If you hear a beep, there's probably a comment you probably missed. Oh, good. Alright. That should, that, that should come in handy as well. Comments. Normally the comments involve the word shit and something off. And flat. That's all. There'll be flatness. Um, I got my AFL membership pack today. Oh good, is this one of those videos where you unbox stuff? Yeah. My kids love these. Make it legendary. That's a challenge. Imagine we're doing this and it's all muted. That would be funny. A sticker. Make it legendary. I'm just going to check to see if there's a comment there that says, I can't hear shit. <laughs> can't hear you. I can hear and see you. Turn up the volume. Well, that's confusing when you can and can't hear. I can hear and see you. Well, so... So David Hatley wants us to turn up the volume. He's probably thinking he's in an 80s nightclub and wants us to pump up the volume. <laughs> give us an update. Someone give us an update. Mark Ferguson can see and hear us. And he's not even listening. Yeah. Hatley. You'll probably get a spill from the rant. I'm going to work on the assumption that everyone can hear us. Do you, um, do you get you porn on this? Oh, oh. that might go very well. Lanyard! I've used those so often. I've seen Gripping TV and it's exactly like this. I'm not a one year member, what the fuck? Been <laughs> around <laughs> like five to 30 years. A scarf. I'm working with a fake. With you? <laughs> a scarf, okay. We know where that can go. <clears throat> you can hang yourself with that in September. That's just being negative spook and this is the new Collingwood. Looks like Sly's been dribbling like Mark Robinson. Yeah, I spilled, I spilled pizza juice all over me. People can hear. It's just not uh, David Hatley. Yeah. You'll, you'll probably spill us now. Well, let me repeat this for David Hatley. Spook. Yes. What do you think of the win against Richmond? Um, it's a funny one because I didn't get to see the game live, which I pointed out last week. So by the time I come to so where were you for, for all of the viewers tuning in? Well, they knew I was at Rod Stewart. They saw they, I was on Facebook Live. Now I'm going to get that question. So the game started at seven fifty. Yeah. Rod Stewart seventy eight. Surely he'd be in bed by then. Uh, with, 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 with with one of the girls on stage, and I wouldn't blame him. Okay. Yep. Go on. Um, yeah. So I think I finished. No. Um, <clears throat> so I was following the scores. Obviously, uh, there's a few up and downs from what I could see. Um, by the time the gig finished, uh, I listened to the last quarter on the uh, uh, the wireless on in the car, 
Um, you don't get that same sense of anxiety when you're watching this, so uh, listening rather. When I came time to sit down and watch the replay later that night, I mean, because you knew everything unfolded the way it did, I didn't think the game looked as bad as it sort of sounded on the radio and, and, it was, and it was, scored. I mean, I was getting updates from you um, suggesting that it's probably the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. No, that was and, when I was watching and Disney include, Star Wars. <laughs> that included a bad pair of underpants and a mirror. Um, Disney Star Wars is probably just as bad. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I, I actually... There were moments where you know, I, I looked at it objectively and thought that potentially the weather and the conditions had a massive influence on that game. Um, the kicking, if they converted, we would have been 112 goals up yeah. by half time, And I think that's where it sat. I think we dominated the first half. Oh, I killed them. Yeah, we let them back in, I think. They kicked one goal in the first half. So yeah, that's... we let them back in probably the first half of the third quarter. But then I think once we wrestled control back, it just became a bit of a slog. They had another crack at the start of the fourth. Um, but we, we overrun, which I think at the end of the day is it's the margin wasn't massive, but it should have been a lot larger. We we were the far better team on the night. Well, it's good. Like I saw a few people, uh, you know, um, who was it? Matthew Lloyd. There's a couple of people speaking on the Sunday. Yeah, sorry. On the Sunday footy show, and they just said that the margin flattered Richmond. That first half, even though the scoreline was close, it never felt like they were actually a threat. And in the third quarter, if anything, there was only the only trepidation you got was because. Fucking hell, Collingwood, kick straight because this will come back and bite you, which is historically Collingwood. Uh, third quarter, they came really hard. I think they got to within a kick, and then we just kicked away and went to about 28 points again. Yeah. And we really controlled the game. And in the last quarter, I can whinge now because we won. I thought they got a lot of uh, decisions, which were there, but they hadn't been paid the rest of the game. There was a lot of sort of immediate free kicks, which kept the momentum going their way. And there was a little passage where Nathan Murphy just basically blocked Nathan Buckley. Yeah, Nathan Buckley blocked it too. But Nathan Murphy blocked, you know, he marked, he came off his man to tackle. He just constantly repelled every assault they had. In terms of, you know, them as a threat, like I, I felt like we had him under control pretty much the whole game, even when it was close. It felt like at some point we'll just put our foot down and then bang. And we know, the one good thing about the McRae team is you know they can score quickly now. You know, it's not, Something like the Buckley game well, plan. Fine score a goal. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they ended up scoring four, we'll five. Score lots of points. Yeah, but they scored four, five in the in the second half. You know, so the first half they've kicked three, ten. In the rest of the game, they kicked five, five. So they're going at fifty percent for the rest of the game. Ball's a little bit slippery. You know, there's a few sort of um, slips and that. And, and the, I thought the pressure was probably a little bit hotter than Collingwood realised earlier, which is why Pendlebury got caught and Josh Dacos got caught. If I had to give Richmond some credit, I thought the the way that they structured defence was really good. It did nullify a lot of our entries. Um, and who was the, the big doofus that stood? Um, um, Bolter? Yeah, he, yeah. He was fisting everything like a like a madman. Um, I thought the, the, their effort down there was, was good, and that really added to the, the, the forward line pressure. Um, but other than that, there were some more rubbish. Well, you look at like the first half anyway. I mean, how many times we hit the post? There was about three, four times we hit the post from all gettable shots. It was about the three in the row or something yeah. at the start. Yeah, you know, there was nothing to... You couldn't hit that thing if you tried. Yeah, and that when we... Maybe that's it. the secret to football. You just try and hit the post. Well, potentially. So, the other thing too was uh, Darcy Cameron went down. And 
we'll talk about later that impact on the on what that's going to have for the side. But it was interesting to sort of see how they coped with that. With McStay's probably going to have to play a little bit more as a ruckman now by the looks of it. Um, the guy we had like a beastly game, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a very unheralded game. It wasn't like a flashy game. He was just doing all the hard stuff. Workmanlike, I think the, yeah. the term is. Yeah, side bottom was really good. First half, The, the yeah. two day costers were good. I thought that first half, Ash Johnson was brilliant. I got to give him if they they should actually introduce him football the tap of the year because that one where he leaped on the Richmond guys. <laughs> I think he um, will we'll obviously cover the ruck work um, over the next couple of weeks, but I think he pretty much uh, guaranteed himself a fair old crack at it. Uh, in the second half he just disappeared. I don't even know if he was still out there. He figured so little in the second half, and that was probably or well, not probably it is like a fantasy. Well, look, the guys like Ash Johnson, you know what really annoys me is that first half shows you, fuck, you can play at this level. Then why wouldn't you strive to be that player the whole time? You know, anyone in any sport who has immense talent and then they just sort of rely on that talent rather than let me do all the hard work also for it uh, to make, you know, make me realize it. You get like, throw out another name, like Jaden Stevenson. Another extremely talented player who's just lazy. Um, and you get a lot of those sort of players throughout all the sports. And it's like, you've got a limited time in this game. You can set yourself up for life with 10 good years. Why would you half-ass it? Mm. I actually thought he was, um, defensively, he was a lot better. Yeah, I agree with that. That first half, he was doing everything. He was rucking, he was following up. He, he showed some poison when he snapped <clears throat> it back the hill. And that was some of the... Although I thought he was going to McCreary. That was some of the major criticisms you have of him last year, because I thought he was awesome. That was a chief. Was it? Yeah. He should defend himself and sit here. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if he's heading in that correct direction of, of improving himself, I think that was a really good example of it because I wasn't sure. Like He, he didn't play in any of the... He didn't play in practice matches practice for a reason. Matches, so. for, for reasons. Yeah. Um, he had two good performances in the VFL with a, I think a couple of bags of four. Um, he's, he obviously got back in there in merit, but I think when he got there, it was, it was better than I was expecting. I thought it might be a bit rusty, but he had an influence. He brings a lot of X factor to that forward line. Yeah, but I mean, he really got in there because Cox is injured. He really got back in the side. Is Cox injured? Yeah. What happened? Uh, he's injured a rib or two. A rib or two? Yeah. So then there actually he is. <laughs> so you have Cox injured. Uh, so there was no one else I were going to bring up unless they just slot getting it straight back in, but that's, they need like a tall, so they can have the part-time Ruckman. So it was always going to be him. It was unlikely to be Will Kelly, for example. Well, why not? Uh, because he's barely played in two years and no one knows where he plays and all that. But we'll go on to him a little bit later. Um, Frampton. He was very good. And that's all we need to say then. Um, what did Lynch end up with? I think two at the end, but he pretty much nullified him for the bulk of the game. Yeah. Which, you know, if, if he continues with that sort of form, that's the, the defensive fall that we've, uh, we've been hoping for. Yeah. Uh, the thing that was really pleasing was that he knew when the game went to stay. So, you know, there's a couple of times he peeled off pinch, uh, pinch, <laughs> peeled off Lynch to impact the contest. So, Murphy does that too, and like I always think that's a sign of a good defender. It's like I know when to go and when not to go, and yeah. sometimes you might get burned, but it's it's the unselfish thing to do. Um, that old man Pendlebury, how do you think he went? He struggled again. I can't see a future in the game for him, to be honest. He could play another four years if he keeps going like that. Um, that goalie kid. I mean, you, you look at it and you think, well, technically, there's nothing outstanding about it. 
And then you think, the guy's 912 years old and weaves still like that. That was brilliant. Well, that was, like, when he took the handball, he was sort of running toward goal. And, like, I was looking at it thinking, you're going to be able to kick it over the Richmond defender's head because he's pretty close. And it was actually very reminiscent of Dacos, Peter Dacos, in 1981 against Richmond. He did a very similar thing where he had three Richmond players around him. And he just did what the unanticipated thing was. And then, like, one Richmond player jumped for the smother, but then Pendles went left. And the two other defenders were coming right. And it's like, well, we've all gone the wrong way. And the funny thing, too, is not one of them actually went to him. Dacos did the same thing in 81. He sort of showed the ball, and all the Richmond players went to the ball. And they just fell around him, and he weaved his way out. So Like a Bradbury. Yeah, it was a really, really good goal from um, someone that I, I think he's had his best year since he wrote him off in 2018. Well, he needed the motivation, I think, to be oh, well, someone needs motivation. A good, a good swift kick up the clacker can get you motivated. Not, there's not a lot to say because oh, we're playing... Said. Well, thanks for watching. Because yeah, no, we're playing well and it's there's not a lot to be critical of except for Will Hoskin Elliott. <laughs> yeah, the invisibility cloak uh, was well and truly back on again this week. Did he kick one? No, he had five possessions, so... Where were they? Does that, does that include the warm-up? Yeah, it probably does. Was that training included as well? I think one of them was when he was kicking the ball out to the crowd. He'd be like Casper the Friendly Ghost out there at times. Wouldn't you get a high-five him and your hand would just go through his? With Hoskin Elliott... With Hoskin Elliott? With Hoskin... With Hoskin, that's what I said. With Hoskin Elliott... If you look at the side, if you had the whole list available, you have to get bring Lipinski back. Hoskin Elliott would be the one to go. Oh, yeah, I think every day of the week. So of that side, so usually with um, teams in contention, the team who starts the years and the team who finishes the year. So you go back to 2010, you had Lockyer, O'Brien, and Fraser, who all started in that side. But then early on, Lockyer and O'Brien got dropped. And then by, by about halfway through the year, Malthouse realized I can't play Fraser on his side also. So he got dropped. So if you look at that side from round one, who do you think could potentially come in and who should be replaced? It's a hard one because you've got... I think the thing is, if you wanted to be fair to, to the cloak wearer, he's obviously fulfilling a role that he's been set. I mean, you can only explain why he get picked every week. There's, there's going to be a, a sense of happiness about what he's bringing to it. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Look, defensively, he runs the contest. He doesn't impact him with punches, but I can't imagine his role, particularly with the skill level he has, that McRae or any coach is saying, but I only want you to get five possessions. And he was he was good the previous week, but that's the thing with him. He will vanish now for two or three weeks. Surely bringing something that's that's a clear upgrade in puts puts his career essentially to the sword. You, you got in there as a, as a spare parts player after that. I mean, who you bring in, though, is where I was coming around to. It's, it's, it has to be someone that fulfills the same designated role. Though, when you watch the game, you can see, like, you know, uh, like McCreary, you can see what he's clearly out there. You know, you hit blokes hard, you chase, you run, you harass. That's your role. It, it doesn't necessarily have to result in 20 or 25 possessions a week. You know, 10 to 15 is enough, but you, you, you have an impact on the contest. I just don't see that consistency with, with, with Hoskin Elliott. He'll have good moments, he'll, he'll just vanish for the rest of it. What's he doing when he's vanishing? Oh, he's still running defensively to contest, and they're still mining spots in terms of zones and all that. But you We're... wouldn't see that as a, as a designated task, would you? No. You wouldn't sit there and point to the board and say, Will, I want you to run to a contest. What well, do I do when I get there, sir? Well, that's up to you, but probably nothing would be good. 
But you look at someone like Caleb Poulter, who we both rated, but... Oh, you did. It was effectively dumped because they didn't feel there's a defensive side to his game, or that's the conjecture. So, if he's not going to fill that spot where he's meant to be filling a zone on field, then Hoskinelli is better off because he's doing that. Well, even though he might not get the ball defensive, uh, sorry, offensively, or he might not get it enough. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. He is actually a pretty good spoiler of the ball. He's pretty good, like, in the air defensively. He's not a great tackler or anything. But of the people you could replace him with, so Lipinski's out for... He's done the shoulder, so that's it for the year for him, uh, based on Collingwood's form with shoulders. And then you have Jack Ginnivan. Well, that'd be your first one that I would think of. But are they going to rush Ginnivan back in to, to get rid of Hoskin? Well, the thing that worries me about Ginnivan is... Is it Ginnivan or Ginnivan? Jack, tell us. Um... The thing with Jack is, is there, does he have a defensive side? He just looks like he lopes around and laughs at people and grins and... He kicks 40 goals a year. Yeah, but... And that's a big tick. Yeah, but the, it, we're talking about, like, someone who's going to fill Hoskin Elliott's no, role offensively. But you're right. Aside from, from that, no. I mean, he, he played a, a lot up the ground last year and got involved in a lot of contests, and he's still a young, developing player. How old's with Hoskin Elliott now? He's 28. About, and Jittivan's, what... 20? 20, yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot to learn, and you know, you've, you've got a, a really good start to your career. So you, at least you can look at him and say, even though you may have the same sorts of impacts at this stage as, as, as with, you've got a lot of growth inside of you, potentially, hopefully. Yeah. I'd... So you could like afford to, to play that type of player and, 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 and cut Will, and you probably wouldn't be any worse off, I wouldn't have thought. I don't think Jack defensively is as good in the air as Hoskin Elliott. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's one of the things Hoskin Elliott brings aside. And then I also look at it from the point of view, if we get an injury, I mean, that would be unusual to happen at this club, but if we got an injury to a defensive player like Murphy or something... Like someone having their ribs caved in. Yeah, but, you know, if Murphy went down or whoever it is, you no, know, don't, don't, don't even say that out loud. Then you can actually throw Hoskin Elliott back and he'll, he'll fill that role. Oh, he'll be back. But... It's like when they, a couple of years ago, I can't remember who the injury was, but Hoskin Elliott went back on Oscar Allen at West Coast, and he actually did a pretty good job. I can't see Ginnivan doing that. It would take like a, quite a bit of shuffle. You'd probably have to go, well, let's throw McCreary back, but I don't know how good he is in the air. He's obviously great ground level. So, I mean, I think there's also an ML, he's got a, a bit of a utility factor. He's like uh, a Rusko type. You know, there's another one you could potentially bring in, sorry, just to pop words into my head. Well, Rusko, yeah, but again, Rusko doesn't have the offensive side that... Again, but you've got the potential to learn it. I mean, you know, maybe it's just a, a perfect fit. Maybe maybe the template for for some of these players is Will Hoskin Elliott well, to go back to the VFL and learn this this particular. Well, I mean, role like, we, don't, we don't know what, exactly what they want expect of him. But no, I'm just sort of saying that's, that's the uh, that's the get out of jail free card for him. But the one thing you know, like with Ginnivan, he is good offensively. He'll kick goals defensively. He's not great. He lopes around. Uh, Rusko is good defensively, but he's not great. He's not going to play that wing role or you know sweeper role. Ed Allen's the other one, potentially. Yeah, that'd be a good potential. From from the limited amounts I've seen, he's looking exceptionally like a possibility. Well, here's the one I'd really be looking at. You've got Finley McRae, who's now gone so far down the pecking order with the addition of Mitchell, and you know, you've know got Dugowie and Adams in there. So it'd be interesting what happens with him at the end of the year, McRae. I mean, obviously, Mitchell's 29 and Adams is 29, so it's not going to last forever. But... A few of those other players we have, um, they're sort of playing specific roles. So like Hoskin Elliott, like I said, he, he, he's a bit of a tweener in a lot of the things he does. So he fills in. 
Um, any other thoughts from the game? I liked some of the the synergy that I saw between Ash Johnson and, and Bobby Hill. Yep. And I made the comment um, uh, the next day to the boys, you could see if that sort of thing grows, that could be a very, very dangerous weapon, that you've got two X-Factor-ish players that, that, that are really, you know, like it's only one game, but if they do keep developing that sort of um, ability to, to play off each other, they're going to be hard to stop. And you sort of think, well, you're building a really potentially good forward line here. It just needs one big tall bloke yeah. um, to come in and, and, and add some polish to it. But um, there is some serious talent in there. Actually, going back to Ginevan, seeing, okay, Ginevan's out, you look at the hill. If you have to choose, who would you play? Oh, at the moment, I'm form hill every day of the week. I yeah. think he's just adding so much more than... than and look, I can't stop thinking Jack kicked 40 goals. Um, he can find it and he can kick him um, and he annoys the buggery out of everyone um, but Bobby Hill's got he's smooth oh he's got serious pace yeah uh, defensively like uh, in the preseason games I was thinking oh, okay so he's just going to be someone who plays forward of the ball but you know I remember that second game against Hawthorne he actually didn't get a tackle but since you know the season's actually started he's just so lively in every manner and he's He's scary when he gets the ball because he has that turn of speed that Ginevan doesn't and not many players on our side do. If um, Elliot has to be rested or if Elliot tweaks something or whatever this year, Ginevan comes straight in for him. And I still think that forward line can function yep. with, with him in there. Um, but at the moment, it's hard to see who's going to kick out. No. Which is a good thing. He's going to have to earn his spot back. I don't think he can. with this, if, this, if, the play, you know, if, stay, if they stay uninjured... Which is funny. Um, not Colin good. But if they stay uninjured, I can't see him squeezing his way back into that side. No. And the did hard thing was, too, I don't, did you watch any of the VFL game? No. I watched snippets of it. And like, any time he goes near the ball, he's got a target on his back. Yeah. They crashed him, bashed him. And he, it's hard to string together a good performance when you're just thumped every time you go near it. And you're thumped because your name's Jack Gillen. Uh, that's going to be it's going to retard his ability to get back in I think a little bit for, for all the attention he's going to get from wannabe VFL players um, that's going to be a little bit of a, a hamper to him but you know, look hopefully it just teaches him to be a, a, a better player as, as oh, a result maybe a more rounded player I know last year McRae was telling him that you know you got to add another string to your bow so and he really needs to do that you can only get so far on a couple of tricks uh, especially as a small forward who's likely to, you know, fade in the game simply because that's the way, the rhythm of the game. I think McRae would be keen as mustard to get him back in as soon as possible, though. Yeah, I, I'm just, look, I look at that side, I think it's pretty much, and, and I'll actually say this, um, in relation to Cox and Cameron, I didn't actually think I'd play both of them. I thought they'd only go with one. No, we, we, we've been saying that for a while. I'm, I'm surprised that the, the more, was it McStay, uh, Cameron and Cox were the three that we didn't think you could play in the same side together. Uh, not only are they doing that, they're, they're doing it well. So what the hell do we know? Yeah, but we were saying they, then Johnson's got to go out, which is what's happened, what happened originally. Well, yeah, there's that. But I did think that like the, the pinch-hitting argument would be McStay or Johnson. I didn't think they'd be going for the other argument. But then again, I mean, Johnson you know, was left out of the round one side for reasons. So they obviously were forced to go with Cox and Cameron. Um, now they're going to be forced to go with something different. Final thoughts on the game? Uh, we won. Um, over in the 
south. Port Adelaide wore their prison bar Guernsey. How did that work for them? And they got humiliated by Adelaide. Any thoughts on Port Adelaide? Because it's funny, because we beat Geelong and we're going, oh, how good are we beat Geelong? And now they've lost three straight. And we beat Port and we smashed them foot. How good are we? And now Port's lost. So I don't know either we break teams or... Or we're shit. Well, you know, better than the rest of the shit in the league. <laughs> but... What did I think about Port Adelaide? How much, how much does that jumper thing bother you saying that the prison bars? Um, I really don't care whether they wear it or not. And if that's what they're going to dish up, then wear it every week. Yeah, I think it's actually embarrassing. But just before we go to that... I know there are people running around the sample that weekend that were upset with Port Adelaide. Why is that? Well, because they're the real deal and, and these pretenders were out there wearing their jumper. I actually find it a little bit... I don't care about the jumper voice said that, but I actually find it a little bit... What's that word? Um, pathetic. That they came into the league saying, yeah, we're divorced from the Senefell port. And then they've gradually tried to... Um, reconcile way it. back. Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't think you actually know what you want to be either. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'd be thinking, well, we should be launching a new Port Adelaide, which is the, originally the power, but they've just continually backpedaled toward it. Out of curiosity, did you see the GWS Carlton game? Uh, a little bit, yep. Did you see the descent freaky? Oh, what a fucking joke. I mean, seriously. And the thing is with that, and look, you, you knew it was coming straight away. How was I not on the ball? But, but that happens 400 times a game. Yeah. I mean, why did you pick that one particular moment to make sure Carlton won? That that, that was the one that you had to pick out and say, this is the worst fucking thing, I'm offended. I saw the umpire, he was looking for an, a handkerchief at one stage. To, to dab the tears from his eyes. Um, it was just an absolute fucking joke. You've gifted him a win with that. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that um, GWS didn't go harder with some sort of official complaint because that's fucking absurd. If, well, they did. They did this and they stopped listening. They did that and the AFL fine him. Seriously, look, I understand why you want to respect umpires and shit like this, but if you want to actually indemnify them from any form of criticism or back chat or whatever then this is fucked because you can't expect players in the heat of the moment to moderate their outbursts and their feelings you know it's not like because Coniglio turned and said you fucking motherfucker I will fucking punch your head in for that decision you might as well say that now if you're gonna go go with the bang oh you might as well but it's just absurd um that you can't let players just have exclamations I mean you see tennis players smash their rackets on the court you see, in most forms of sports, players just get frustrated in the heat of the moment. And if they're not being destructive toward uh, an officiator, referee, umpire, or whatever, then what the fuck does it matter if they say, how is that not a, you know, how is that not a free kick? Could you imagine this rule in soccer? Oh, it wouldn't even, wouldn't even last 12 seconds a game. It's ridiculous. I mean, and you're going to find players are going to work around it too, because Coniglio could just turn and go, well, I was saying it to my teammate. Why, why are you pinging me? It's like, I remember Viv Richards years ago, so he's going back to cricket where, uh, I, can't, I think the test was in Perth, but there was a lot of no balls. And then Richards called to one of his players, go stand Jason to the umpire and see if he's fucking getting him right. And it's just like, it's obviously the umpire heard it, but you know, it's just Richards having a shot at him in a really, I don't want to say subtle, but really cunning way. Um, playing, who were playing? Brisbane. Are we? Did you see the game against Bulldogs? Uh, yes. Is there a better um, 
testament to disbanding clubs than that game? <laughs> uh, the thing is, it doesn't really matter about uh, how well Brisbane performed or anything this year. This week is their grand final. Really? You think so? Absolutely. Dunny Hare will come out for his one performance of a year and uh, probably kick five or six. I hear that they, they're so excited about this. They've got Craig Willis going up to do the announcing before the game. The guy from Different Strokes. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, they've got a cup that they're going to have uh, on a pedestal before the game starts. Uh, it's probably as close to a grand finals they're going to get these days. But um, they'll be pumped for this because it's their one game at home a year to a whole bunch of empty seats unless uh, um, our lot are going up. Um, it's, a, it's a big night for them. So this is for the Dane Beams Cup. Is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, is it? Yeah, it's... Um, What's inside the cup? Uh, well, I was going to say something, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> two two girls? No, no, it's, it's going to be... Uh, We're lives. So you can beat this stuff out. Yeah. Look at the bear, just the pool there. So, injury of Darcy Cameron. Ironically, the one year we got rid of Ruckman. <laughs> They're getting injuries to all three of their four Ruckman. Oscar Steen doesn't look anywhere ready. He got 17 taps to um, Naismith at the fuck, whoever the fuck we played. He got 61. Well, the guy from the Monkeys. Yeah, him. He got beaten by him. Yep. What a joke. Uh, uh, Begg's still injured for another couple of weeks or something. Yeah. Three or four weeks he's yeah, out. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be playing him anyway. I mean, Is I'd... Jared Blair free? Can we, can we get him back well, in? He gave, his, he gave his jumper gave his to nuts. Big Star. He gave his jumper to Big Stay. So... What, what, he's got a little... Is he hanging on yeah. his revision mirror? Number 11, yeah. So who would you rock? It's like a few orange. Would you go for Steen and throw him to the Wolves? Or? No, I, 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 I mean, no. I, he's, he's too beanpole. He'll be belted from pillar to post. Who is the Brisbane Ruckman these days? Macanini. Macca who? Macanini. Bubble-headed Nini. Yeah. Um, Macanini, whatever the fuck his name is. I don't think Steen will come in. Um, I think until Coxie is ready to come back, um, they're just going to probably rotate between McStay and, and, and Ash Johnson. Um, I don't think it's ideal. Um, I think the I think um, well, Turtle himself was shared something to us where did it involve a spa bath? Uma <laughs> um, McRae suggested that McStay and Frampton would be rocking. Well, Frampton rocked for Port Adelaide. Yeah, I think the only thing that just as you're starting to show some some form and defence, would you take him out? No, God no. So I think that'll be um, McFly's. Um, and you got like two talls of Brisbane in Hipwood and Danaher. Well, that's it. I mean, Hipwood, I mean, he's, he's down on form, but when he's good, he can be very good. Uh, Dunning here will have his 12 goals for the year. He'll get his entire telly that night because he'll be on fire. Um, you're going to have to have some talls down there to try and at least provide the ability to bring the ball to the ground or allow Moody to run free would and you, intercept would, some marks before uh, Dunning here gets Would it. you try playing more as Ruck? I wouldn't, no. Okay. Uh, who, I know you would. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, he'd be, he'd, he'll cop a neither the proverbials or something and then go down. It'd, it'd be a disaster. Well, you've got one to one and a half injuries. So Cameron's definitely out. So someone has to come in. So who comes in? If you're going to play McStay and um, Johnson as Rucks. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing. I mean, you either bring in... Um, if you're going to take Johnson out of the forward line, you probably bring in Reef, I think. And you're just going to have to just... 
had them spinning around, one on the bench, one rucking, one back the forward line. It's just going to be one big, massive sort of rotation through. Uh, other than that, I don't know, if you if you wanted to move Frampton out, I mean, who do you bring in? Who, what, what tools? It's going to be Will Kelly. Well, Will Kelly's have the... to be loose, but I don't think he's... I mean, he could stand Hipwood, maybe. I don't know. Will Kelly's the one I'd actually... I don't feel confident with any of these choices. Okay, so I'd do it one or two ways. Will Kelly would come in and he's going to ruck. And if it doesn't work, then you just start rotating him around with Johnson McStay. And... That'd be two left of centre. That's... In terms of the talls, he's the only um, viable option. And look, this is his last year unless he does something extraordinary. So this would be throwing license to him go, look, this is it, mate. Go out there and do something extraordinary. Yeah. The second thing is... In football, you're beholden to archetypes in how the game's structured. There's no reason you actually fucking need a ruckman. You can just go say, hey, Reef, you can be ruck, pretend to run up, and then just stop, and then go up every fourth time and just throw off his timing. And instead of actually going up, just zone, and we'll cover their midfielders, because we'll actually have one extra midfielder now, because their ruckman is going up, so we'll be one up. So you could actually just totally do something so different where... Fuck it, we're not even going to play a ruck. We're just going to play someone who can play as a defensive mid. And he will cover the tap outs. And the thing you could do is just sort of keep rotating what's actually happened so they never actually settle. So then you go, well, will throw McStay for two taps and then take him out and then, you know, fucking throw Trent Bianco in for a bloody ruck thing. And this is what I'm saying. You don't have to go the traditional route. Let's find the ruckman. Let's find the ruckman to replace the ruckman. It could just be, let's just fucking do something so different. I remember going back to about 201. Whereabouts on the run sheet are you doing your Malcolm Blight impression? 201. Um, I remember this is before you had to nominate Ruckman and shit like that, but I remember at one stage, Malthouse was playing Fraser and McKee. And, <laughs> Those are the days. But they were both lining up as Ruck, but the opposition didn't know which one of them was going up. So <laughs> Neither did they. <laughs> but, they but so again, it was like a really lateral solution, which I really liked. You know, it was like, you don't have to do what the game's always done. You can actually change it up. So you're asking... Um, but I'd go for Kelly. I'd go with Will Kelly right now and just say, this is it. To go out and discover a loophole to do something. Maybe handstands and ruck with your feet. To do that. Yeah. Oh, you could just, you know, get Trent Bianco to run in and just say, hey, mate, when you get close to McInerney, just fucking launch yourself with your shoulder into his chest and knock him out and you get one week. That's all it is in the game. It's one week to launch yourself like a missile at an opponent <laughs> and take him out. So back in the day, um, Billy Pickin used to run up to a contest and say, yell, here comes Billy. You want Bianco to run up and go, hey, mate. Here comes Kaziah Pickett. That's... No, I'm just saying, you can do, do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, but you're going to have to bring someone in. So you're saying um, McInnes to play. I think it? that'll be the one. Um, I think that'll be the safe one. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go for Will Kelly because I actually think, say so here, have a quarter as a ruck. Fucking play with the same aggression as your dad. And... I'm not averse to the suggestion, but I don't recall seeing him all that much during the VFL game. If you want to be pulled up on merit, there has to be... Obviously, there's a there's a case to argue for need here. There has to, you have to couple it with a bit of merit, though, I would think. Oh, I think for a special position, it's need over merit. It'd be like if the weaker keeper in the Australian cricket team was injured. Do you go, well, there's eight batsmen doing really well, or do we go to the one weaker keeper we think will do the job? Or can... Could be a placeholder right now. So that's the way I look at it. You make a great point, Malcolm. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, tip. 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 Uh, Brisbane by 98 points. Brisbane by 98. Mm. You I'm, know going, I'm going out in the limb. Danny yeah. here will kick 42. 
I actually am really looking forward to this game in regards to... I think we've been in control of every match we've played this year. Even the Geelong one when we were down, we were never quite out when you look at it. Um, going over to there, they're one and two. So they're not flying exactly, but they're obviously a much better team at home. As you said, they'll be their grand final because they're such a pathetic club also. Uh, fucking losers. Yeah, well, they are really, you know. Um, they're, they're, they're a bad carbon copy of Fitzroy. They're a terrible carbon copy Apart of Fitzroy. Apart from all those times they were humiliated in grand finals. Well, it's only twice. Um, but, it, yeah, in terms of the growth of the club, Collingwood is an on-field contender, as opposed to an off-field contender, obviously, but it'd be really interesting to see how they tackle this with a club that they traditionally struggle with over there. In It'll be shit dewy conditions. Oh, the, the, the time is right to, to look at them. It, it, looking at them the other night, it looks like there's just no synergy with the new players that they've brought in. There's just a whole bunch of individual performances going on out there. I think we can probably exploit that and, and run through them. What did, they beat us by a point last year, I think. No, no, last year they beat us by about... There's about two goals. Was the the yeah. point one you're thinking is that Buckley coached when they came back and won after the siren. I don't think about Buckley. Um... Yeah, maybe there should be a little bit of uh, retribution um, going to this game that we uh, we need to square the ledger from that humiliating loss last year. Wasn't that it's, humiliating? It was, it was I, was, year. I was humiliated. It's we're free and zip. Did you think we'd be free and zip at this? No, point? no. I think uh, and on top of the ladder. Yeah, um, they've completely surprised me. So um, I'm happy for them to keep surprising me. Can you see us losing another game for the year? That would be good. And. Than going straight out into finals. Oh, well, that'd be... <laughs> you don't want to say par for the course, but uh, never say never. Um, no, 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 we'll, we'll drop a, a couple, I think. Um, I don't know whether you can sustain this type... I mean, we're, we're, we're having ridiculous numbers with the contested possessions at the moment. I can't see you doing that. Oh, look, I'd love them to do it solidly for the entire season. But at some point, there'll have to be a little bit of bending and tiring and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know what, get the points on the board now, build yourself a nice little buffer on the ladder and, you know, you can afford to drop a, a game or two, but not too many. I think at some point I'll up the training the way they always do and that's where you're going to be a little bit vulnerable because, you know, as you prepare for going into the finals and that, like I recall in the Maltese, we always said those generally had like really but average you, second half of the year. If you're well and truly entrenched in the aid and, and more importantly, no, hopefully in the top yeah. four, you can afford to do that. Yeah, but I, I mean, every club does it, so... Um, I'm just saying, like, you don't expect them to do this every year. The one interesting thing will be there'll be games where they're just not quite firing, so how they fight those out. I mean, it, it's for last year, I mean, I was having this conversation with someone else. Although we had all those exciting wins and we played a much more exciting brand of football, there were still games, like against Adelaide and North, where we just played shit for three quarters and then we had to sort of pull it out. So the change this year has been... The application is consistent throughout the whole game, whereas last year it came in for like 30, 40 minutes here and there. Sidey said an interesting thing at the end. Um, that is interesting. <laughs> about that um, for the you know the work that they've done with the contested possessions is that yeah this is the stuff that they train for and they're clearly brilliantly executing that at the moment. You would think you're just going to keep that intensity up training wise. Um, and hopefully maintain this for the year. But when you look back at um, the year that Melbourne won the flag, you looked at them and think they're not like an absolutely over-the-top brilliant side. They're just really well-drilled. 
And I think that's where we're looking to build that consistency that, that you can dig yourself out of any situation. And, and so far, and we're only three games into the season, um, it's looking superb. Aren't you worried that someone's going to work us out? Hey? Some club will work us out. And well, Buckley will just come back and reinvent something. He well, invented the press, you know. You should. Um, well, if he puts another five years to the club, imagine what we could be. Well, running around in circles. It'd be like, a, like, it'd be like an open-cut mine if he came back. It'd be one of those things where you just keep going down and at the bottom there's a truck. Um, yeah, let's get back to Collingwood. <laughs> yeah, so, last thoughts? Um, now, last, or our first, maybe our last <laughs> live ever. It's more of a death thing, really. Um, oh, look, I think we, we should win. Okay. I just don't want to confidently say it. I, you know what it's like. You've been around this, this, this before. club. This club before. Oh, look, I'll be honest. I haven't been around this no, before. This is a, Probably a, the closest was 10, 11. Yeah, this is a different club. And I don't think they'll fall into old habits. Well, that's what, that's what, that's what I live in hope for. Well, you know, you get back to 10. That took a while to get that club going in that direction. And then to 11 until the last month was just so atypical for Collins. And if you go back to other Collins, Collins other dominant years like 1990 and then even under the Hafey years, they never felt unassailable. 90 potentially in the finals because they just bombed out twice. So they felt like it was just like, fuck it. No, nothing's going to take us. But um, 211, it just felt like no one was near us. And I know Geelong beat us three times. The two, other, the two latter times they beat us in the grand final and the final round, it just felt like we'd, we'd fuck, we were fucking done. We were done by that point. So we felt unassailable and it's like you're getting close to that sort of feeling like where these guys are actually believing fuck we can do anything and as long as we stick to the process and hit our KPIs and all that sort of shit um you know and then you got a coach who's saying you know I mean you listen to his language when he talks at press conferences compared to predecessors who were very very corporate speak about not playing our brand and not hitting our KPIs and shit like that you know he just sounds like a I don't know what are those people? You know, those ones with blood and they breathe? Humans? What those? So, he sounds very human. Yeah. And of all the souls that you've encountered in your travels. This is the most not Collingwood. Anyway, that's it from us. That's Hope you like us. the live. Should we, uh, should we hang around? Should we cut off and hang around and answer questions? Because, like, the comments are flying. Well, They're flying. Like, you... um, there's nothing here has changed <laughs> for a while. I've just got a message from Turt saying, there's you like, guys went offline 55 minutes ago. I think this is your best show there's ever. There's like six messages up there. <laughs> Most of them um, start with fucking in. I don't think you've refreshed it for about a week. Well, how do you refresh? That's beyond me. <laughs> Let, yeah. Let's just see if there's any uh, burning questions here because we can, we can cut this off for the YouTube thing. Uh, we, can, we can hang with our homies. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. Are you guys still online? <laughs> I want my money back. This is probably the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm seeing some angry, angry faces. Wow, this is this is riveting. Isn't it? This reminds me of the time that you spent 20 minutes opening a box. It's, um, I think it's fucked. Yeah. This, this could be this could be a great disaster. If this is fucked, we'll um, we'll just rerun it. Um, no, we'll do playing. a clips. We'll do a clips episode. No, I can see it's running. I can see it's doing what you know. Well, we're moving, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, fuck that then. Hmm. All right. Well, that's it for us. We'll answer questions next week potentially. Yep. Leave, leave some comments in the questions below. All right. Later. Bye. Thanks for enduring this.